Hey, welcome to the C3 Pottstown Podcast. This is John McKinley, your host, and this week we're going to continue a series that Pastor Robin started about the return of Jesus. Here's just a short clip of that. And they will form the unholy trinity. Why? Because Satan mocks everything God is and what God does. We hope you enjoy today's message, and you can always join us in person at C3 Pottstown in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. We've been talking about the return of Jesus. Last couple of weeks, we talked about the first resurrection. And that's where the church is caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Scripture says the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are uh, alive will follow, and it's all going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. Now, what we believe, our doctrinal stance, is that that event will happen before the tribulation begins. You see, the Bible says that the the world will go through a seven-year period called the tribulation. Some translations call it a time of distress just before Jesus does return. You see, the first resurrection is not the return of Christ. Jesus only comes in the air. He won't set foot on the ground until the end of the seven-year tribulation. But you know what's interesting is God gives us an itinerary of what those seven years are going to be like. Last week, we looked at Daniel chapter 9. That's where we're going to start out today. I'm starting your notes now if you're following along with your notes. And I really only have like three blanks. And they're only blanks you, if you want to fill in to identify what Revelation is talking about. So the first major event of the tribulation will be a treaty with a world ruler who will later be identified as the Antichrist. And here's what Daniel told us in Daniel 9:27. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. So the tribulation is a seven-year period. It ends with the return of Jesus, and during that seven years, we're told what's going to happen. So let's do a quick summary, first of all, of the first few chapters of Revelation. We know that Revelation was written by the Apostle John. He was very close to Jesus when, he, when Jesus was on the earth. In fact, John was one of the three that went with Jesus pretty much everywhere he went. There was Peter, James, and John. They were with him where a lot of the other nine didn't go to. John witnessed the empty tomb. He spent time with Jesus after his resurrection. So we get to the book of Revelation, and this was a vision that was given to John, and and he writes it down, and it begins with him seeing Jesus in chapter 1. And John sees Jesus in the throne room of heaven as the Alpha and the Omega. And it says, when I saw him, I fell to his feet, fell at his feet like a dead man. And then Revelation describes the tribulation, but its major purpose is not to tell us about the future. Many people think Revelation is there to tell us about the future. Its major purpose is to reveal Jesus 
to us. Something to keep in mind when you read the book of Revelation. So let's just take a look starting at the beginning. We know that John wrote it, chapter 1. Chapter 2 and chapter 3 are letters that Jesus wants John to make sure seven churches in uh, Asia know. So he writes these seven letters. Revelation chapters 4 and 5 picture the throne room of God where the multitudes in heaven are worshiping Jesus. In Revelation chapter 5, God the Father holds up a scroll with seven seals on it. The seven is a biblical number of perfection. So this is a really important scroll. So Revelation chapter 5 verses 2 and 3 says, And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Well, then the next verse says that John began to weep. But verse 5 goes on to say, But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then verse 6 goes on to say, Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. Friends, right there at the beginning of Revelation, we get the sense that there is victory in the happenings because Jesus was worthy to open the scroll. Well, the story of the tribulation period begins in chapter 6 when the Lamb of God peels open the scroll and breaks each of its seals one at a time. Each seal releases some sort of devastation here on the earth. From then onward, the book of Revelation tells us some pretty frightening things. A lot of things we don't quite understand right now. And maybe we would understand them if we were seeing the same things that John was seeing back then. But it might have been things that we might recognize today that back in John's day he didn't recognize. But what I want to, you to know is that God reveals the power and the majesty of his son. He does that for the believers who, who read this. That's you and I. He's revealing to us what's going to happen during that time. Now, we're not going to be here. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But we can be assured that we are in safe hands because of Jesus. So, during the tribulation time, one of the events will be the release of judgment. God releases judgment through a series of seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. The chronology of Revelation is God's judgment of sin. It unfolds in a series of sevens because God's judgment is perfect. Now, the events of the tribulation is going to have some people that are playing some roles there. And we're going to talk about these people, seven of them to be exact. The first one is the dragon. Now, if you want to know who the dragon is, the dragon is Satan. In chapter 12, verse 7, it says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. 
and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So here the devil is cast out. He's on the earth. And then the next one we want to look at is the woman. Chapter 12, verse 13. The woman represented the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down from the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. You see, way back in the Garden of Eden, the prophecy was that Satan would have his head bashed in. All right, that's my translation. All right. Well, Satan's still angry about this. He's angry that Jesus came out of the nation of Israel. He is so angry that his goal is to annihilate the Jews. And throughout history, he tried it. He's tried it before. But listen to what happens. This is during the tribulation now. It says, but she, the woman, was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly into the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. So this is kind of backing up what Daniel said. A time is a year, times are two years, and a half a time is half of a year. So it's at the three and a half year mark of the seven year tribulation, the woman begins to experience extreme persecution and it's given a divine flight of protection for the rest of the tribulation. Now see, we don't know what that's gonna look like. We don't know if that's gonna be some sort of a miraculous flight that they're taking. We don't know that. We don't know if, this, if it's gonna be kind of like the, the Middle East just recently where, where people fled to the airport and I ran. Some of them made it, some of them didn't make it. Some of them were locked out. But according to this, all of them are gonna be taken into a place in the wilderness to a place of safety for three and a half years. Well, that moves us to the next one. The beast from the sea. This is the Antichrist. So in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns, and with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were the names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard. It had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast its own power and throne and great authority. So this says, rising out of the sea. What does that mean? It doesn't mean some monster just walked out of the ocean. No, the sea talks about the sea of people or the sea of humanity. He came out of the sea and he would be the ruler over many nations. Now, years ago, when the European nations all formed a union together, there were 10 of them. Oh, man, people thought, this is it. The end has come. The Antichrist is going to come out of there. But since then, that union has added to and subtracted from, and really, it doesn't have the power that everyone thought it was going to have. So we don't know what, what this is going to look like now. 
what we know is he will come out of there. It's likely that the beast will be from the Middle East. Did you see where he gets his power from? It says, and the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. So Satan gives him power. One of his heads seems to have a deadly wound. Listen to what it says in, in verse 3. I saw one of the heads of the beast seem to be wounded beyond recovery. But the fatal wound was healed. So fatal means dead, okay? The dead has come to life. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. Now this is a mockery of Jesus. I mean, this is an imitation of Jesus. He'll die and raise from the dead. I mean, being Satan's puppet, he'll exercise authority for 42 months, three and a half years. So the Antichrist will reign. But then there's another one that comes. This is the beast from the earth. This is the false prophet. In chapter 13, verse 11 says, Then I saw another beast come out of the earth. He exercised all the authority of the first beast. And he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. So during the final three and a half years, this beast, who was also called the false prophet, now, he'll probably be Jewish or have some sort of Jewish descent. And he will do miracles on behalf of the Antichrist. Listen to what it says in verse 14. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast, the Antichrist. He was then permitted to give his life, uh, give life to this statue so he could speak. I don't think this is going to be any computer animation. I think there's going to be some sort of miracle involved in this where the statue will be able to speak. And the power comes from Satan himself. He will require, this is the false prophet, he will require people to worship the statue of the Antichrist. Or if they don't, they'll be put to death. He is the one behind the mark of the beast. Listen to what it says. Later on in chapter 13, he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or the forehead. Now, remember I told you last week that people won't have a choice. They will have to take the mark of the beast. Listen to what it says. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. And of course, that's where we get the number 666 will be the number of the Antichrist. So we've got three major beings or people going on here. The dragon who is Satan, the two beasts, the Antichrist and the false prophet, and they will form the unholy trinity. Why? Because Satan mocks everything God is and what God does. Okay, then we get into uh, a whole group of people. It's the 144,000. 
He says in chapter 14, Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And what do these people do? They worship. They worship the Lord. That's what they do. Listen to what the scripture says. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. All right, so the sixth group are three angels, three angel announcers. These three angels fly overhead to announce the eternal gospel. The first one says, fear God, give glory to him. And the second one says, Babylon the Great has fallen. Now, we don't know what modern-day Babylon is going to be. Some people think it's going to be United States. You think things are bad economically right now in the United States? They're certainly going the way of Babylon falling if the United States is Babylon. And then the third one says, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or accepts his mark on their forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. I want to tell you something. Whatever the wine of God's anger is, I don't want any part of it. It goes on to say, it has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. This trio of angels brings good news, bad news, and ugly news. Okay, the last group of people that it talks about in Revelation is the people of the harvest. In chapter 14, verse 15, it says, Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle! For the time of the harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. Who are the harvest? Hmm. That's an interesting question. If this was before the tribulation, I'd say the harvest is the church. But this isn't. This is toward the end of the tribulation. Jesus told us who the harvest will be. Matthew chapter 13. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the harvesters are the angels. The son of man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Wow. The harvest are those who causes sin and all who do evil. Friends, the sole reason Jesus left heaven, the sole reason he laid aside his glory to become the only begotten son of God. The sole reason 
Jesus took on flesh and lived a lowly and limited human life. The sole reason he went to the cross was as much as possible the number of that harvest would be limited at the end of the age. And that's why he's called the church. That's why he's ordained the church. That's why he has called you and me to be a part of that church. God does not want to send anyone to eternal damnation. And you ask the question, then why does he? The reason he has to is because he has given each of us a free will to choose our own destiny. So in essence, God isn't sending people to an eternal uh, damnation. People are choosing to go there. You see, through this free will that he's given us to choose our own destiny, he is not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. Even today, he's holding out his hand He's holding out his hand so every one of us would turn toward him and accept his love and his forgiveness so that we can spend eternity with him rather than away from him in the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you're in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are destined right now to that great tribulation Those of you watching online, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he could come in the clouds right now. We could hear the trumpet sound of God and the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ could rise first right today. And those who are living in him would be caught up with them in the air. It would happen just like that, and you would be left here, and you would have to make a choice. Do I run and hide and die for the sake of Jesus? Or do I take the mark of the beast and burn in eternity? That's the choice we have. That's what the scripture tells us. That's what I just read. You see, while the harvest of the weeds is being burned, the harvest of the righteous will bring rejoicing all over heaven. Because what did I read? It says, the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Thanks for tuning in to this week's C3 podcast. We hope you tune in next week as well. If you would like to partner with us financially to spread this even further, go to c3potstown.com give. Have a great day.